Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And you know what? A lot of those games were played in the NCAA tournament, and for the first time in five years, UConn is back in the big dance. Yes, uh, UConn is uh, going to be the number seven seed in the East region, and man was it was it nice to hear their name called on sunday uh it's been way too long and it feels great to finally be back uh we're gonna t- basically just talk all ncaa tournament and some you know biggies tournament recap all that good stuff tim uh tim fontenelle is back with me again tim uh first things first uh a lot's happened since we last touched base last week what a week of basketball yeah that's for sure Remember when we were laughing about the possibility of Georgetown making it to the championship game? Yeah, you know, it doesn't seem so funny anymore. <laughs> Not at all. Congratulations to them, but man, what a what a week it's been. Yeah, that was dude, that ruled. <laughs> Not gonna yeah, lie, it was I, awesome. I know, like you know, from like a long term like perspective, it's maybe not the greatest thing that they are the all time leader in Big East tournament championships, but you know, whatever. UConn's back. There'll be opportunities to catch them and pass them in the future. You know, just got to trust the process. And besides, hey, UConn was gone for seven years. And when they got back, they were still tied for that record. And they were still actually tied for the regular season record and the total record. So, okay, fine. They, they lost it. But, like, they got, they, these guys had seven years to run up the score. Villanova tried their exactly. best. Georgetown... I don't know. Maybe they were just due. I mean, God, when was the last time they won the Big East tournament? Like 2007, I think. I think it was 2007. Yeah. Yeah. So. And man, like you said, yeah, all that, and the it was such a weird feeling because we were all rooting for Georgetown. We all wanted them to do that. Like one, because we were all really mad at Creighton, and two, just because like they were such a feel-good story in that tournament. So it was like it was this weird situation rooting for them but at the same time it just it felt right and let me tell you i think yukon georgetown we've talked a lot about yukon villanova and yukon creighton and even like yukon xavier what those games could be like in the future of this conference but like i i think we've talked about it a few times talking about georgetown themselves you know what patrick ewing is doing to try to turn this program around and they've got a top 10 recruiting class coming in next year they've They've hit a few opponents hard before the tournament this year. And, man, they are putting together something special back down there in D.C. And UConn-Georgetown could be some of the best games going forward, especially if Georgetown does get really good and continues to compete for Big East tournament titles. UConn and Georgetown in a slugfest back and forth to try to take over the record or win it back or and then take it back again, that is going to be so much fun to watch going forward and obviously you have all those other teams involved so i think last week was just more of a sign of how great it is to be back in the big east yeah absolutely and you know it's also great just like the league is way more fun when georgetown is relevant and you know whether i think we've we've touched on it a couple of times when we've talked about georgetown where the tone has basically been like hey like we all thought they were going to be horrible and actually, they've been not horrible, maybe not good, but, you know, they've looks respectable. And then look what happens now. Not, you know, I'm not going to go out and tell you that, like, oh, Georgetown is like a favorite to, like, you know, make the final four or something. But this team, they were killing people for a whole month. And except for the two games against UConn, they've been yeah. good and they've been beating, you know, the good teams in the conference. Like what happened is <laughs> what they did to Creighton wasn't exactly a fluke. Like they've just been. They've been solid, and uh, I, I'm just I'm very interested in seeing how they look going forward. Because you know the uh, the guys, you know, a lot of their team this year are going to be graduating. But between Harris, who looks fantastic, and uh, you know Kudus Wahab is a, I mean that that guy that kid's good uh, as a big. Yeah. So you know with the, the two recu- more years of bullying everyone not named Adama Sonogo. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, how <laughs> how's that for a matchup going forward? Yes. Wahab and Sonogo is going to be just like. That's that's old school. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. So you yeah. know, I I think I think Georgetown's got a ch- chance to really capitalize on this momentum. And uh, you know, considering the transfers and just all the you know the all the roster you know hits they took this year, they're they're ahead of schedule. I, I'm excited to see what they can do. And honestly, I like Georgetown's fans too because like they, I don't know, in a weird way, they've almost been like 
kind of in a you know a similar journey as UConn in the last few years where they were in the right conference but the team just hasn't been there and so for them to have that breakthrough like they kind of experienced in one week what UConn fans have collectively been experiencing for the last two years you know yeah, just I think that's really well put right there suddenly just a resurgence of hope and like oh my god like it might not all be over maybe maybe there's something <laughs> to look forward to again <laughs> Oh, it's such an exciting time for the conference, and especially you know for the conference in general, because also that Georgetown win makes them a huge bid stealer and gives the conference four teams in the tournament, which continues a streak that goes all the way back to I believe '94. Yeah, I the was only. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. No, the only conference in the country to have four bids all those years, which is just incredible. Yeah, you know, that was big. Like, you know, I was thinking at some point, like, you know, it'd really stink if the Big East, our first year back is just like, oh, it's a, it's just not a good league this year, you know, and like, oh, three bid league, whatever, you know, whatever. It's at the end of the day. Sure. The Big East maybe wasn't as great as it's been in years past this year, but you know, Hey, at the end of the day, Georgetown, they did what they had to do. And for the record, Oregon State literally just did the same thing in the Pac-12 tournament, so it's not even like you can just look at them like some kind of weird fluke. Well, maybe they are. Maybe it just happened twice in the same year. I don't know. Yeah. Just absolutely wild stuff, by the way, that two teams that were picked last in their conference won their conference tournaments. It's unbelievable stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but, especially in such big conferences. Like, that's... That, that just like that sums up this year I think so well yeah but you know what I just one more thing on Georgetown like it's not possible to win five games in five days like it was when UConn did it but as far as like just what you can actually realistically achieve in the conference tournament now what Georgetown did is about as good as it gets I mean that, you know it's like what that's like Jerry McNamara and that's that's Kemba Walker but the difference is that they don't have one of those guys like that's just a team that just I don't know I guess Patrick Ewing is that guy I guess like they just like yeah. I don't know, fed off of his power as the, you know, the Big East ultimate bad guy and just, just crushed everybody. I don't know. It's like, what is it? It's like the, it's like when the Monstars stole his talent, except the opposite. And they like, I don't know <laughs> if that makes any sense. I love that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So anyway, uh, I don't know any other, th- I don't think we need to dwell on it too much. I mean, that came in Creighton was a bummer, but I don't know. It's just while, while we're on the subject, you UConn, you know, mowed down DePaul and had a really kind of disappointing loss against Creighton. I, I suppose we should address that. What, what do you think about the Creighton game now that we've had a few days to process it? I think the two the two big things that really stood out, one, obviously, it looked like James Booknight wasn't fully recovered from the night before with those, I, I guess it's official cramps. Yeah, what uh, was, okay, we should probably talk about that. Have yeah. you ever seen any that happen to anybody? Like, it looked like he was dying. It was unbelievable. Yeah, like, it almost, like, I think I saw, like, five different people make the joke that it looked like Weekend at Bernie's in the tunnel as they were trying to get him back to the locker room. Like, that, like, it honestly, to me, it looked like when I, like, overstretch when I wake up in the morning and all of a sudden my leg just locks up and I'm immobile for the next, like, 20 minutes. And I just, like, I couldn't believe that. Like, it just, like, it looked like something was very wrong and, like, you, you, you're freaking out about like all the different things that maybe it is. And you know, if it's just cramps, like, you know, I guess that's, that's good, but also, you know, how does that happen? You know, just something you hope that it, you hope that it's figured out now. And obviously we, we've heard from book night since where he, he, he felt it after the Creighton game. Like he knew that he was not at his best and he did not play anywhere near his best, and that really got him down. So I think he's gonna he's gonna linger on last week, and he's gonna remember that going into the tournament because he's gonna wanna, you know, he's gonna wanna turn that around and show everyone who he really is. Yeah, it's definitely you know, obviously you hope that he he turns that into like good motivation, and, and as opposed to dwelling on it and letting it you know bring him down even more. Yeah. It's a weird thing I've noticed with him, like. When book, I don't know. Maybe it's just a product of missing all that time. But it seems odd how you know it happened in Villanova too, where you know he plays for you know he just in the Villanova game he was just like a god for like five minutes, and then it literally looked like he was just in the worst pain. So I, I don't know really what to say. I don't really know what to make of it. But it's a little bit of a worrying trend. And hopefully, all it is is that he's just the worst at hydrating during games. Yeah, <laughs> I suspect it. I suspect there's probably more to it than that. 
But I mean, no one's doubting his talent. And I don't think anybody, no. n- nobody should doubt his heart either. Although the worst elements of the fan base probably will, it, you know, he's, oh, yeah. I, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a concern, but it was definitely bizarre. And I'm sure, you know, yeah. on top of the fact that he didn't play his best in the Big East tournament, that like that, like screen grab of him being carried in the tunnel that's a that's not going away. <laughs> I, no, I, I I'm sure he probably would prefer that not be something he's associated with, but I don't know about you, but I'm definitely going to use that whenever I'm like trying to describe a scenario or I'm like you know hashtag dead or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, my favorite meme to come out of that one was the was the Dan Hurley mask over his nose, not over his mouth, and just looking like. The, like, the weirdest thing I've ever seen in terms of mask wearing from Hurley. But then, like, it's perfect because, like, the picture that I took of it in, uh, on the TV, you've got Adama Sinogo in the background. It looks like he's, like, biting his lip in anticipation of something. So it's just, like, the whole thing came together as, like, this fun little meme. And I'm, I'm just – I've got that stored in the bank for uh, – for whenever I need it. Yeah, I like the the one somebody did where uh, it compared him to Mermaid Man from SpongeBob. <laughs> I love that. It's so good because uh, like he's even wearing the right color shirt too. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure. I don't know if Dan Hurley knows who Mermaid Man is, but if he if he did, I'm sure he. I don't know if he'd find that to be a very flattering comparison. No. The big question would be who's Barnacle Boy to Hurley's Mermaid Man. Oh man, I don't know if that's a rabbit hole we want to go down on this podcast. <laughs> no, Maybe... that that we we can spend way too long on that, and nothing good can come from it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to think of like so... I'm I'm trying to think of examples, but like I just know if anybody who I accuse of being Barnacle Boy, I'm gonna hear from them. Maybe I don't know. Hopefully, yeah, exactly. probably not. Actually, I'm... so <laughs> so yeah. Um, if you want to get back on track, the only thing, the only other thing I was gonna say. Um, other than book night not looking right, you know, it didn't help him a lot that Sonogo went to the bench with those two fouls. And I think we saw just how important Adama Sonogo has come, has become to this team yeah. when he left that game. I think that that changed everything for me in yeah. that first half. It was pretty clear. I mean, they were really taking it to them. And then next thing you know, it's here they come, you know, listen, Creighton's yeah. good. And it's weirdly, it's so, it's a, first of all, it's super frustrating that UConn couldn't beat him in any of the three times because it's pretty obvious Creighton is beatable. They got smoked yeah. by Georgetown, you know, and it's not like that's even an outlier. They've gotten beat by the quote unquote worst teams in the conference, you know, in fact, kind of regularly too. Like, I, I mean, I don't have their full schedule, but they lost to Marquette. Was it? They lost to Butler. You know, they... They were beatable, so it's yeah three quad three losses. I think we kept bringing up yeah. So you know that's a, that's a tough one, but like you know at the end of the day, like that is a super talented team, like top to bottom. Yeah. I think they have the best roster in the conference. So you know what it is, what it is. I guess you know UConn will just have to get them next year, but yeah. whatever. Um, that was I. I have to say they that hurt when they lost that game. I was like, man, that's tough. Yeah, Georgetown kind of getting the cool story made it almost a little bit better because then how would we have felt if UConn beat Creighton and then had that happen to them at Georgetown's hands in the final, (laughs) we would have all just been like, wow, I don't even know what to say. This sucks, (laughs) but it's also kind of awesome. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's really good. That didn't happen because honestly, I think looking forward, it probably would have messed them up on the, on the seed lines too. You know, I think, as we jump into the tournament and stuff, you everyone's going to be really happy about a seven seed. But if they, if that had happened to them against Georgetown, oof, you're probably being an eight. And I don't know. You get into a situation you really don't no, want. But, but then you also have to balance the positive of a Creighton win too. A Creighton so win. yeah, that's I don't know. fair. That's it's hard to fair. say. I mean, it's possible they could yeah. have gotten up to a six. Maybe maybe it would have been a wash and they end up a seven anyway. But yeah, I don't yeah. think anyone's complaining about where they landed. So. Yeah, you want to do this? Let's uh, break down this uh, tournament, huh? Want to go? Let's do it. All right. So, UConn is the seven seed in the East Regional, and I-, I feel like the consensus among most people in our orbit is that UConn really made out good here. So, um, yeah. let's just run through the seeds. So, Michigan is the, the number one seed. Uh, Alabama is the two, and they would presumably be the uh, second round opponent if UConn is able to get the win. And, I don't know, or or Rick Pitino and Iona could upset them. That. <laughs> That oh, would be man. incredible, but maybe not a very responsible, uh, you know, possibility to discuss on the show. Um, 
Texas is the three seed. Florida State is the four. Colorado's the five. BYU is the six. Um, UConn, as discussed, is the seven. You had LSU eight, St. Bonaventure nine. Maryland is UConn's first round opponent. They're the 10 seed. We'll, we'll talk about them plenty. You have Michigan State and UCLA. Uh, the winner of their first four game will be the 11 seed. Uh, Georgetown is the 12. And then from there, you have UNC Greensboro 13, Abilene Christian 14, Iona 15, and uh, either Mount St. Mary's or Texas Southern as the 16. Um, this is a fascinating bracket. Uh, I Very evenly matched bracket, too. Um, looking at their Ken Palm ratings and net rankings, pretty much from Texas down to Maryland, it's basically a wash. Like Everyone's within like 10 or 15 rankings of each other. And there's a lot of mismatch, too. Like Texas as the three... You can make a case that they compared to the teams and like compared to Florida State, Colorado, BYU, and maybe even UConn, like you could make a case that any of them would be above Texas as a three. You know, that's a that's a debate that could be had. But the point is it's a it's wide open. Michigan's got an injury. Uh Isaiah Livers uh Livers. How is that pronounced? I Oh, whoever I that whoever that guy is, uh, he's one of their better players. He's a senior, he's out indefinitely uh with a foot injury. And then, you know, Alabama, I mean, hey, that's t- That's a good team. Very, very good team. And yet I also have a strange sense that they m- might just be beatable. Yeah, I have something more on that that I'll get into in a little bit. So, you know, looking at this in its entirety, what do we make of this? And I guess how should UConn fans feel about just the overall prospect of this particular region? Well, I got to say after, like, we sweated out throughout this entire show. I mean, it was one of those, it was a really stressful first three reveals in these regions for UConn because we, we, we didn't know what to expect. We all know what we should have been, which was on that six or seven line, but we knew what a lot of people were saying about being an eight or a nine. So as those, as those seeds are coming out ahead of them, you know, you see the eight, nine lines filling up. You're like, okay, this is good. And you start to see. You start to see things really narrow down. So by the time you get to that East region, you're like, all right, this is this is looking really good for us now. And as soon as you get like you get past that LSU St. Bonaventure matchup and it's like a weight has been lifted and you just realize that this is a team that's gonna be set up to do something dangerous and something they've done before. Because remember, the two thousand like two thousand fourteen, this team was a seven seed. Obviously no one on this team was there, but UConn has done this before so we know that it's something that the school or the program is capable of so getting avoiding that 8-9 game you know even if it's Michigan in that region was very good you get a really tough Maryland game but that's really exciting as you said Alabama's beatable so I think there's a lot a lot of reason for UConn fans to be optimistic and excited but most importantly just being back in the tournament no matter what like this is just such a great job by Dan Hurley to get UConn to this point in year three and, you know, being back year one in the big East, this is just, this is where UConn's meant to be. And it's a great feeling. It's great. I, you know, I, I was, you know, it's weird. Like intellectually, I knew that they were absolutely going to be in the field. And yet I still started getting nervous. Like once they got to the East region where I'm like, (laughs) like, how would I feel if just randomly UConn's name wasn't called? Like it, yeah. it, it was ration. It wasn't a rational consideration, but just in the back of my mind, I was still just like, boy, like I, I don't want to feel that kind of pain right now. Yeah. And obviously, well, you know, especially after you see Syracuse get in with a bye, like, uh, you know, at that point it's wild west. Anything can happen. Let's also just not forget about how much of a bummer that is and how much, yeah. you know, swap, let's swap Louisville and Syracuse and have Syrac- Syracuse be the last team out. And just imagine just how, Wow, I mean, Georgetown and you, you know, UConn fans would have literally ascended into heaven while just basically yeah. the entire like Syracuse campus just fell into a crevice into the icy depths of hell. <laughs> uh, Not that it wasn't on its way already. You know, I, I guess we can't get everything we want. Um, but yeah. yeah, no. So obviously, you know, very excited to see you know where UConn landed, and um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know, man. It's 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 interesting. Like you know, that 2014 tournament run. I think that was a much tougher draw, and they made it work anyway. You know, yeah. like Villanova actually in 2014, I think is actually a great comp to Alabama, where they were like, 
a really, really talented team that was obviously on the come up and Alabama is like that too, but they haven't exactly been there before. And so at that time, that Villanova team, like, I don't know about you, but I was like as confident in UConn upsetting them as anything ever. I, I don't, I think I'm yeah. more, co- I, let's say I, I'm more confident in Alabama as a two seed than I was in Villanova as a two that year. But, you know, the same principle applies, uh, you know, I guess another difference is this UConn team, unlike that team, did not have the, the championship experience where those seniors were yeah. actual champions and <laughs> UConn is, these guys are not at the moment, but yeah. Still, you know, that's a that's like a big one. But after that, you know, Texas and Iowa State is like a pretty fair comp. I think Texas is totally beatable, even though they're absolutely a good team. Um, you know, Michigan. Well, I don't know. Yeah. And then Michigan and Florida State, you know, whoever. I, yeah. So it wound up being Michigan State as the four. And I think you and I actually are in agreement that like Florida State would be like the Michigan State in this this comp because. Yeah, I yeah, definitely. Like, I, I even, like, all the stuff that you just said, like, I put in a tweet last night. Like, I went game by game, and it just feels like there are so many parallels between the 10, the 2, the 3, and the 4 in this region that just remind me so much of that 2014 season. Like, Florida State is going to be a really trendy 4 to not only make it to the Elite 8, to the Final 4, but, you know, to be in consideration for, for the title. And because... They're going to get a very, if Michigan makes it that far, they're going to have a very beatable one in the Sweet 16. But, you know, we've seen Florida State is not bulletproof either. Like, all you have to do is look at Josh Passner and his celebrations after the ACC championship game because, hey, Georgia Tech got to this team and, you know, they, they've proven that they're not, like, they're not invincible. Yeah, uh, one other comp I noticed too is the, uh, in 2014, UConn was also the seven in the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The bottom left bracket. So, yeah. you know, number one overall seed Florida was the, you know, the eventual national semifinal opponent. And, you know, if, if our dreams come true and UConn does make a deep run, you know, Gonzaga would be that, you know, Florida was the team everybody thought was unbeatable. It's, the key difference, of course, is UConn had beaten them that year. U- UConn, uh, I, I suspect that if UConn and Gonzaga had played this year, it would have been an ugly scene. I have been cute i have my concerns about that possibility but we'll yes. we'll discuss that at a later time if that you know becomes relevant so um let's talk maryland um i truthfully don't know a lot about this t- I, I have to like dive into the uh the maryland tape so to speak and, and we're, i'll be looking to do another episode specifically on this matchup later this week too but uh what i can say about maryland is obviously uh played in the big 10 uh brutal conference they uh, finished 16 and 13 overall, but they were 31 in Ken Palm and 35 in the net. And, uh, you know, they had a couple of really, really good wins along the way, too, against some top teams. Um, so how do we feel about this matchup? It's going to be a stressful matchup. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I actually I saw um, a friend of mine asked me today whether he should bet the line, which at the time was two and a half. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, first of all, betting the line in general when it's two and a half just seems ridiculous. But especially in a matchup like this, like, it just seems like this is destined to be, you know, what's the phrase we use throughout the Big East? We call it a rock fight. And it just feels like this is going to be that. Um, look, Maryland didn't end the season all that well. You know, two losses to end the regular season. They beat Michigan State, but then they, they lose by 13 to Michigan in the conference tournament. But... You know, I think this this game can definitely go either way, and this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a very brutal way to start the tournament. But um, they're beatable for sure. They're beatable. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm just kind of running through their recent uh, games. So yeah. So they you know lost to Michigan in the Big Ten quarterfinals. For that, they beat Michigan State. But yeah, going into that game, you know, they had losses uh, to Penn State. You know. A, pretty solid but you know not an ncaa tournament team and uh to northwestern which was you know not great um you know wins over michigan state uh over rutgers you know rutgers yeah they're pretty much like a good comp with rutgers like kind of in that same like middle bottom tier of the big 10 yeah you know when that's like what is that that's like comparable to saying like they're like the 10 team in the old big east or something so you know a really good but maybe not great team you know you have two wins over nebraska you have a win over minnesota Lost to Ohio State, another loss to Penn State. 
So, and this is like, we're like going back to the beginning of February. So it's actually in a weird way. Like they haven't actually played that many of the big tens, really good teams recently. Like their, their best games were like way back in the beginning of the season. You know, like they beat Illinois, like on January 10th, like that was like ages ago. So yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Um, interesting matchup. Uh, I don't really know what else to say. I guess I, I, feel like that UConn should win this game. And yeah, I feel like maybe like a like a five or six point win feels realistic. Like I'd be very surprised if this is a like a 10 point game in either direction. But uh, I don't know. What, yeah. do, you, what do you think? I think this, this is one of like, I think it's if a team gets to 70, that team wins this game. I don't think there's a doubt about that. Yeah. It's going to be, it's probably going to be, you know, I'd, I'd probably give it UConn 68 to 63. It's going to be super close. I think. UConn's just going to have the edge with, you know, just a slightly more efficient offense. These are two teams that are pretty comparable defensively when you look at the numbers. But, you know, if if Booknight gets on, gets back to where he, you know, where he, we know he usually is, uh, and that Creighton game is in the past, then you got to back him. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so for all you guys out there who maybe want a little bit more of a intelligent analysis of this game, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll be back later this week uh, looking to try to land uh, somebody who covers Maryland, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about this matchup in much greater detail. I'll do more homework in the meantime, too. So uh, for now, let's delve into the realm of the hypothetical. Tim, who do you have in the Sweet 16 coming out of this region? <laughs> I have UConn. <laughs> So, I, I have I have good reason for having UConn. One because I think you know this is a team, and I th- I don't people are very aware of this around the country. You look at the people who are backing UConn as final floor final four contenders and potential bracket busters. Um, it it's a good team. Like we know this. We we've seen this throughout the year. But Alabama, you know. Huge credit to them winning the SEC, the regular season, and the conference tournament. You know, that great finish to the SEC tournament. Nate Oates is a fantastic coach. He's done such a great job, you know, even going back to his days at Buffalo. Um, I really live for the historical context of, you know, a team's positioning in the NCAA tournament. And I just found this really interesting when it comes to a team like Alabama. So, Alabama began the season unranked. They are now top 10 in the AP poll, and a top two seed. This has happened 30, 32 times before Alabama since 1985. None of those teams who were a top two seed and top 10 in the AP poll but began the season unranked made it to the Final Four. 14 of them made it to the second weekend. And of the two seeds, 14 of the 21 lost in the first weekend. So history doesn't favor Alabama here. And these are two teams that are very close when you look at the numbers, when you look at the metrics. A a great Alabama defense, a really good UConn defense, two offenses that are pretty comparable. I think this is gonna be this is gonna be a matchup that everyone should be paying attention to in the second round and Hey, UConn beating a two seed is nothing new to us. So I think if, again, you know, if UConn's clicking, there's no reason they can't win that game. Yeah, I think Alabama absolutely presents the toughest test UConn would conceivably face in this region. Uh, And, you know, they are, Alabama is a very high tempo offense that is almost exclusively relies on layups and threes. They have almost completely eschewed any sort of mid-range game. So they are a very modern team with a very modern offense. And they also complement that with an excellent defense. And that is a tough combination to deal with, but UConn is well positioned defensively to try to slow a team like that down. And I get the sense that if UConn plays its A game on defense, and if they can kind of disrupt this you know especially first things first they got to defend the three like they can't let alabama just bury them with threes if they were able to do that i I think then there's a good chance they can make it work obviously you know they have to execute and first of all they have to beat maryland of course you know this is we're 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 in hypothetical territory here but yeah i do i do feel like there's a there's a blueprint um 
you know, I, I have UConn actually, I don't, I think spoilers, you and I are actually both in agreement that UConn, we have them, both of us have them in the final four, right? Yeah, we couldn't help ourselves on that one, but it, it's not like it's, you know, it's not like fanboy from either of us. It, like it actually makes sense to us. Yeah. I've picked UConn to reach the final four, I believe three times in 2009, 2011, and in 2014. I yeah. I don't know about you, but I sense a trend. Like you could have easily, well, in 2009 it was a perfectly reasonable, but in 2011 and 14 it was a little bit of a stretch. And uh, you know what? I was just like, look, I, I don't know, man. I just I have confidence, so it's like kind of a justified homerism, I guess. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, who yeah, else? Well, who, he, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, if you get past Alabama at that point, you're really feeling yourself. And the other teams in this bracket are really gettable. So at that point, yeah, like you said, it's the toughest test. And it's a test that UConn's more than capable of passing. So, you know, this team gets on a roll, you know, you don't want to mess with them. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, so who else do we have in the Sweet 16? So we we have UConn out of uh, that particular uh, bracket. Uh, Who would you project as their possible opponent in the Sweet 16? So I would have Texas after Texas beat the winner of the play-in game between Michigan State and UCLA because I have whoever wins that game beating BYU. Interesting. So I, I agree with you. Um, and I'm kind of – I might change my pick once I see the, the Thursday uh, first four game just because yeah. I'm curious to see, like, M- Michigan State and UCLA are interesting teams. Um, Michigan State because of their, you know, Tom Izzo, just great coach, great program – the numbers are they're like you know Ken Palm and net rankings are not very good, but I don't know. It's betting against that program is usually not worked for you, you know, for people in March. So we'll see how they look against UCLA. And then there's one other angle I think is fascinating: Mick Cronin, UCLA. Yeah. What do we make of the possibility of Mick Cronin taking UCLA to the Sweet 16 and setting up a UConn-UCLA Sweet 16 matchup with that dude patrolling the sideline. Like, is that something you should be trying to, like, will into existence? Because that might be the greatest thing ever. It would be the greatest thing ever, but it it would also require Mick Cronin getting a team to the Sweet 16, which is not the easiest of tasks in in his history. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, coaching a... A historic, you know, program like UCLA with a winning tradition might offset, you know, his uh, his past track record, and I don't know. Maybe yeah. we'll find out that that was as much a Cincinnati problem as it was a Mick Cronin problem. Yeah. Or absolutely. it could be entirely a Mick Cronin problem, and they go down in flames on Thursday. No, it, it could be, and that's the fun thing for us to want to believe because that's just, you know, that's just what we would expect. But man, if a UConn UCLA Sweet Sixteen matchup where UConn UConn wins a great game. Not only do we get to celebrate UConn going to the Elite Eight at that point, but we also get to sit there in anticipation of the Mick Cronin press conference after the game, which would just be your entire weekly intake of salt. It would be the greatest thing. We we know that it would be a complete disaster, and I would love to see it. Yeah, I, I, I that would certainly be a treat if we're you know if it works out that way. Yeah. <laughs> so um. And then, yeah, like, let's uh, just real quick on the top of this bracket. So, you know, some of the teams up here, you got your Michigan, uh, who I guess we're going to presume will not get upset in the, the, the 16 seed. Uh, LSU St. Bonaventure, fascinating. What do, you, what do you think about this one? I've gone back and forth on this game a lot. This is one of the games that's really messing with me in this bracket. Um, right now, I think LSU. At the time of recording, I, I think that the Tigers are going to get through. By the time this podcast comes out on Tuesday morning, I might have St. Bonaventure. I don't know. I just I keep flip-flopping on it, and I'm really not sure what to do. But I think LSU did a really great job in the SEC tournament, and I think that you know they're going to be hot going in, but obviously you know St. Bonaventure winning the A-10 title is also going to be feeling really good. These 8-9 games are always a lot of fun because you have no idea what's going to happen because they're all right there with each other. And I don't know. I just – I know it's I know it's high high major bias a little bit, but, hey, I, I'm doing my part for the little guy with Loyola Chicago anyway. So I'm, I'm, right now I say LSU. Okay, so I have St. Bonaventure just because LSU looked great the other night, and that, like, gave me pause. But then at the end of, at the, end of the day I was like, look – 
the metrics are in St. Bonaventure's favor. And I just love the idea of mid-majors beating, you know, power conference teams when it's a close match. So I, I'm going with St. Bonaventure, which is honestly as much of a, you know, my heart picking as it is my head. But it's, you know, LSU is legit. So, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see. Um, Colorado Georgetown is a great example of this too. Colorado is underseated as a five. I was surprised by how good their metrics are. They could easily be the four or the three in this region. Yeah. And then you've got Georgetown who, well, you know, enough said, like you kind of have to throw all that out because what they're doing now is just like, they're just playing at another level. So I picked Georgetown and that's entirely just the big East by Homer and me going with that. (laughs) I'm actually like 90% chance 90% 90% sure that uh, Colorado will win, but I don't know, man. I just like the idea of Georgetown getting a, a win. What, what do you think about this? Yeah, I'm I'm really feeling Georgetown. I like When I went through and I did my first draft, I did Colorado, just because, like you said, they are a really underseeded team. But I think they're one of those teams that's going to be punished for the fact that they're underseeded, just coming up against a hot 12. And, you know, we all love a good 5-12 upset. And Georgetown, the way they're playing right now, they're the feel-good factor. Patrick Ewing getting them to the NCAA tournament. It just feels right that they at least win one game. I I sure hope so. So we'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, yeah. I think you, you, you and I both are in agreement. Florida State over UNC Greensboro, right? Oh, yeah. All right. Definitely. So uh, it, I, I have Michigan versus Florida State as the other Sweet 16 matchup, and I have Florida State winning that game. Um, yeah, me too. Are you, you're in agreement? So, yeah, yeah, so – Michigan, when they've looked good, they've looked damn good. But I don't know. For some reason, I just kind of have a, like an inkling that they, they might have trouble in the tournament. I, I It's pro, you know partially because of that injury, but like, I don't know. They're, they really looked weirdly vulnerable recently in the stretches where they haven't looked completely dominant. Like on one night, they could look like the best team in the country. And then they're just like, I don't know. It, it, they're, they're just like a little bit weirdly hot and cold. I feel like Florida State is, if nothing else, you can usually count on them to come through with the one exception of the other day where they randomly lost in the, in the ACC tournament. But, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> We're not that far away from the game where they got bodied by, by Illinois. And that was with Livers. Livers. I, I don't know if we've reached a consensus on how to pronounce his name. I, I feel really terrible about it. But... Yeah, he was. He started that game when Illinois won by twenty three. So this is a. They're a fascinating team. I feel like they deserve to be a one. I really think I. There was a part of me yesterday that thought that Alabama could overtake them. I knew it wouldn't happen because the Big Ten was going to get the bump by being so stacked this year. But yeah, I I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been surprised if they fell into that two seed. Yeah. All right. Well, and then uh, I think you and I we both we both have UConn over Florida State in the Elite Eight, right? Yeah. So the last the last three four versus sevens have gone to the seven. Interesting. I did not know that. So yeah, starting with us in 2014. Yeah, the listeners are probably noticing that our picks are very very similar. So uh, yeah, I think <laughs> we I think you and I have been spending too much time talking basketball. If we're we're being honest. Yeah. Dude, this this happened. This exact same thing happened in 2017 too. We had like the same bracket, and like we like finished in like the top three of the that big UConn pool that we're both a part of. I don't yeah, know how this. Plan it. I know it's we're just really good. Either we're really good, or we just like I don't know. Read all the same. I don't know. We have all the same reading material or whatever. I don't yeah, know. probably that too. I swear we're not doing it on purpose. All right, well let's yeah. let's find some other upsets. So uh, obviously we don't have time to run through the rest of the bracket in quite as much detail. So right. Tim, give me a couple of upset picks that you see on the field elsewhere in this uh, this bracket. I'll tell you a full second round matchup that I have is UC Santa Barbara against Ohio. A, Interesting. A very interesting. So we have no faith in Creighton, huh? No, look, they they got bodied the other night by Georgetown, and I just think that that knocked the wind out of their sails. And they, uh, look, they're they're a good team, and you know they're obviously they're understandably going to be favored to go through in this game. But you know, UC Santa Barbara, you know, yeah, I'm probably picking them a little bit because they're they're a trendy sort of pick, but. You know, I'm just I I don't feel I don't feel right about uh, about Creighton going into this game. Okay, so well, well, what's I, Virginia's and, excuse then? Because uh, that one I don't understand at all. Uh, Virginia, well, remember the defending national champion, by the way. Still, two years yeah. later. 
Yeah, two years later. Um, look, I just I worry about Virginia just in terms of their preparation for this game because the uh, the COVID situation that's come up within the program. They're not going to be able to practice together until Thursday. They're not going to travel until Friday, and then they play Ohio on Saturday. Um, you know, I just think, I think normally I'd be like, okay, you know what? I'm still going to back. I'm going to back the much higher seed, the team of the pedigree. I don't know. I just feel like Ohio is going to give them a lot of trouble in this game. I just think, you know, Ohio may not be one of the best teams in this field. Obviously, they're a 13 seed. But, you know, they're also, I think Virginia is just going to have a hard time trying to keep up. If Ohio State can get out to an early lead, if they can show that they're, they're the hot team and they've had the time to prepare and they get ahead, it's going to be very hard for Virginia to come back just because they play so slow. I just, I don't, I, I never, I have a hard time trusting Virginia ever just because of the fact that they play so slow. But at the same time, you know, they've proven that they can win. I just, I don't like the preparation factor in this game. I, that's why I just feel like it's going to end up being a crazy upset. But in this tournament, in this year, it just feels like something like that's got to happen. All right. Well, that's a fair point. I guess uh, I, I disagree with the uh, your pick, but I, that's absolutely a, a reasonable conclusion. Um, before anybody yeah, comes to be different somewhere before, before anybody comes at Tim, he, he meant Ohio, not Ohio state. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did I say Ohio state? You did at one point. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I got excited. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So I do have Creighton in Virginia advancing. Um, I don't know. I, what we'll just have to see. I could totally be wrong. Uh, on the yeah. other, on the other side of the bracket though, I do have our other big East team going down as the five. I have Winthrop beating Villanova over in the, yeah. um, uh, the South region. I actually yeah. pretty confident in that too. You know, Villanova is 0-2 ever since uh, Colin Gillespie went down to teams that I think are worse than Winthrop or if it's, or at the very least are close to Winthrop. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, Winthrop I mean, 23 and one, like that team is legit. So, yeah. you know, not all the metrics favor them obviously, but there's something to be said about just being a mid major that just smashes everybody they play. So I, I, I think Winthrop's got a real good shot. I just think the the no Colin Gillespie is such a huge factor. I mean, even we saw that Moore played in in the Big East tournament, and that didn't help them at all. Granted, they were going up against the would be champions, but you know, still, it's I think that's such a huge loss for them to overcome, and they're just they're in a rough spot right now. So yeah, I think Winthrop is a team that whenever they get into March, you wanna you wanna see them play, and you wanna see what they can do anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna back them too. I actually have three twelves going through. Oh but, yeah, all right. So know, you got Winthrop. It's only Monday night. You, you got Winthrop. You've got uh, you at Santa Barbara, and you got Georgetown, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yep. You know what? I guess I got two. So that's probably my quota. Do you have any other upsets worth mentioning? Um, I don't think so. No, I uh, I've got a couple tens winning. I've got um, I've got Virginia Tech and Rutgers both winning. Um, I really. I want to put San Diego State in the Elite Eight. I just I don't know if they can get past West Virginia. I I keep going back and forth between them and Syracuse even, but I just I want to punish Syracuse for not deserving to be in this tournament over some of the teams that missed out. Okay, so this is an interesting one then because I actually do have San Diego State beating West Virginia, and w- yeah. I'm trying to talk myself into picking them over Houston. Like in this breath, honestly, I want to pick Rutgers to the Elite Eight. Because I, I look at this, uh, maybe, or I don't know, like I look at this region, and you know, San Diego State. The metrics love San Diego State. West Virginia, good team. They could absolutely make the Elite Eight. I, I don't know. I just, for whatever reason, I just felt like San Diego State was the pick. And then you go to further down, like Rutgers. I, I like this Rutgers team. They've played. They've played everybody. They they they're battle tested. And then there's Houston, and like, I don't know. I'm kind of over Houston. I, I'd rather, I, too. <laughs> I, I really want to pick against them, but you know, the objective, like, you know, basketball brain part of me tells me like, don't do it. Like Houston's, they're a good team. So yeah, I have. So, so I, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I will say this morning as of early this afternoon, I still had San Diego state in the elite eight. I, right now I have West Virginia there, but again, it, it could change. I just, I, I can't decide yet. I just—it's either going to be San Diego State or West Virginia for me. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if Rutgers beats Houston at all. 
Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I would. This is one. This is a one part of the bracket. I don't really feel great about any of the teams. Not like yeah. that. I dislike them or that I think that they're bad. It's just I don't know. Like I, I would rather like kind of take a team that's somewhere else and drop them down there and be like, all right, you're my elite eight team, <laughs> like something. Yeah. Uh, and then meanwhile, There's only one team in that whole region that I feel good about. Uh, I'm gonna guess that would be Illinois. <laughs> yeah. So let's. Uh, I guess we should just uh, do just do our final four picks. So uh, we've already talked about UConn. Um, I, I think it's not a. Str- I, I, you, you picked Gonzaga as the uh, the uh, the in the other final four game, right? I did. Yeah. I figured figured as much. So uh, who, who? I feel like that's. Yeah. Yeah. Who else we got? Um, I've got a Big Ten championship game rematch. I've got Ohio State Illinois. Interesting. All right, let's yeah. let's talk about that. So how uh, how do you see um, like are, do you have Ohio State beating Baylor? Do you have somebody else taking Baylor down beforehand? What's what's, yeah, what's going on there? Yeah, I've got Ohio State beating Baylor. Okay. I think I think they're good. I they're obviously it's you know we always talk about Gonzaga Baylor in the field, um, but I don't know. It's just it's something about. I don't feel right about putting three one seeds in the final four. It almost never happens. So this is also me kind of like playing the historical odds at the same time. But I really like this Ohio State team. I think they just, I think it was just a few mental mistakes that, you know, they threw that game away in overtime against Illinois. They kind of just beat themselves late on. But I, I don't know. I, Baylor, Baylor has obviously been impressive all year. But they've also, I think, I, I look back to the Kansas game, and I think they showed signs that they they can be beat. And so I, I don't think that we're going to see that Gonzaga-Baylor championship game at all. So, yeah, so my final four, I have Gonzaga, UConn, Baylor, Illinois. I uh, I have Gonzaga and Illinois as the championship game. I I, I love well. I love Illinois. I, I just, they've had a couple of losses, but just the more I watch them, the more I'm just like, man, this team has it all. Like, you know, Io DeSumo yeah. is just a killer. You have a, you know, Kofi Cookburn is just a, an absolute monster. I mean, he, that dude is like Adama Sinogo, like on steroids or something like <laughs> just an absolute monster. And, you know, then the rest of their team is just, you know, they've got a lot of quality players up and down their roster. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, Illinois tournament run could theoretically be the stuff of legend. Like, look at who they may play. So you got Drexel first, whatever. Their second round game would presumably be against either Loyola Chicago, who is like one of the best teams in the country and is like somehow an eight seed, or yeah. you have number nine seeded Georgia Tech. That would be, either one of them would be an absolutely riveting second round game. Like on the level of like Wichita State versus Kentucky in 2014. So oh, good shout. I think Illinois, I think Illinois, like they, they'd be vulnerable there, but I still think they're good yeah. enough. To, like, honestly, like if that, if Michigan was up against either villain, excuse me, if Michigan was up against Loyola Chicago or Georgia tech, I'd be very, very tempted to have them lose right then and there. I don't know, but Illinois, it's just, they're just so good. And then, you know, further down the line, there's a good chance they could see Oklahoma state in the, in the round of 16, you know, Kate yeah. Cunningham, like, how is that for a matchup? You know, that guy. <laughs> and then, yeah, whoever they play in the Elite Eight would presumably be good, whether it's Houston, San Diego State, West Virginia, Rutgers, or I don't know, whoever else. And then, yeah, and then obviously, you know, once they get to the Final Four, then all bets are off. But uh, it, that, yeah, I, I plan on cl- watching that that team very closely. I, I think they have the potential to be great. Um, I do have Gonzaga yeah. winning as my champion, but I, was, I, I could be talked into Illinois and... I don't know. I, I might, maybe I will, but that Gonzaga team is just a wagon. It just feels irresponsible to pick against them. Yeah. Well, I'm an irresponsible person. So I did pick, I did pick Illinois to win this game. Um, it, this is going to be a national, if this is the national championship game, it's one for the ages without all, any doubt. Just, all time classic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like right up there with the great championship games we've seen, and ob- with everything on the line for Gonzaga, that first title in it can be a perfect season. Illinois, it would be their first title too, and they've been in this situation before too. But they're they're both must watch TV. So I think you know, but I really love watching this Illinois team. I just think that you know between Io Desuma and. Kofi Cookburn and you know all the guys around them they are just so deep and so talented that I would I like them up against anyone on any day. I know they've lost a few games here and there but man they they look good. even when even when Ohio State came back 
in that championship game. And I know I said that Ohio State made a lot of mental mistakes, but even if they had made those shots, even if they had made the most of those possessions that they had late in the game, you always you always got to back Illinois to come back and punch even harder because that's just that's what they do. They're yeah. just up and down the floor. They're so much fun to watch, and I just I don't know how I feel betting on a perfect season in in this day in college basketball. It's just so hard, and you know, if any team's gonna do it, it's obviously Gonzaga, but. I mean, it's going to be such a – it would be such a good game. It would be a close game and, you know, just flip a coin, honestly. Yeah, I'll tell you this. Uh, if Gonzaga-Illinois is the championship matchup, it would um, it would surface some demons for me in terms of my uh, March Madness past, so to speak. So um, <laughs> I, I don't – I may have told the story on the podcast once before, at least part of it. So um, I've had two – just daggers to the heart in March Madness in my past. Uh, the first was, uh, I actually mentioned it briefly earlier in 2017, where we had the, you know, kind of the, the same picks or whatever. I had Gonzaga going all the way. And of course they lost in the championship game to UNC that year. And uh, the difference of course cost me, it cost me a thousand dollars. If Gonzaga had won that game, I would have made a cool grand. And instead I finished tied for third with you and I came we, we, and we split 75 and I was like so salty about it. Cause I was like, yeah. Oh my God, like I could have, could have been like, I could have gone to, I don't know, REI and bought, bought like, all their their camping stuff or whatever I don't know just all the the crazy the crazy stuff that you never have enough money to justify so yeah. that, that was really tough and then the other was in 2005 when Illinois uh, with uh, Deron Williams and D Brown that team made their great run to the championship game they had that epic win over Louisville where they like erased like a 15 point deficit in the last four minutes or something and then they lost to UNC in the championship game. You, you notice a common thread here, by the way? Yes, um, I do. So I, I want Roy Williams and UNC to stay as far away from the Final Four as possible. I swear, if we get to the Final Four and UNC is coming out of the South region after beating Baylor and Purdue and, you know, Ohio State or whatever, I, 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 I'm i I'm done. Like, I can't, I can't yeah. handle it because I can't have – because I just know that they would beat Illinois and then they would beat Gonzaga in the championship game and somehow I would be in, like – you know, fourth place in our big money pool or whatever. And I'd come away with nothing. And I would just like, uh, just, I just like walk down to the beach and just like, just sink, sink into the ocean depths yeah. or something. Oh, I don't, I, know. I don't think I can handle we, the heartbreak. No, dude, we are in such a fun bracket pool. That one that you were talking about, because you know, our, our tie for third place was really rough, but I think the third place that hit me even harder was 2014. And I know that's really weird to say because I'll take a UConn national championship over winning a bracket any day of the week. And I have a rule. I don't pick UConn to win the national championship game because the last time I did that was 2006. And I don't want to talk about 2006. So 2014, my bracket was fire all over the place. Even in UConn's region, I had them in the Elite Eight. So I nailed that, and I, but I had Michigan State winning it all. But I had Wichita State out in the second round to Kentucky. I had a bunch of other hits all over the place. But I had Wisconsin getting to the title game and losing to Michigan State. How dare you? But my bra- How dare I know, you? I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But my bracket was so good that all I needed, we, we got to the day of the Final Four. All that needed to happen for me was because Florida lost, and I think a few people had Florida. Wisconsin makes the championship game. The championship game becomes moot in our bracket. I win because I had Wisconsin in the final and I had enough points to lock it up. So I'm down there. I'm covering the UConn-Florida game. I go back. UConn wins. Awesome. I'm writing my stories. I'm still an objective journalist, so I'm not celebrating at all. And I walk back out to the floor. And as soon as I get out there, one of the Harrison twins nails a jumper. Pretty much the same shot that he had against Michigan in the Elite Eight. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, and I let it out. I'm like, God, I, I, I just let out this huge groan, and like everyone around me knew that Wisconsin had been the pick. And sure enough, that shot from a Harrison crushed my dreams, sets up a UConn-Kentucky National Championship game. But the rest worked out. Yeah, I was fine with third place. I was fine with the championship. I got to be there. 
no complaints. Yeah, well, it sounded like there were a few complaints, but it's okay. There I, were a couple, but they kind of got they got washed out. So that's yeah. So it's a, when UConn wins it all, you can kind of gloss over some of the other stuff. But uh, yeah. yeah, so needless to say, the, the the moral of the story is that either Tim and I or I are going to win our, our brackets. And regardless of our fates, we're probably going to end up finishing within like two points of each other because we have like basically <laughs> the winner of the if Creighton beats uh, UC Santa Barbara, then I'm going to win or vice versa. So I don't know. Yeah, it checks out. High, the, the stakes are high. Um, all right. So let's talk about um, speaking of, uh, you know, bets. Um, I suppose we should probably address the elephant <laughs> in the room. Um, so Tim, I spent all week bullying you last week and I guess karma's a bitch because, uh, yeah, it didn't work out so good for me. Uh, so I'll give you the no. chance to say, I told you so, and you can gloat and have some fun at my expense. Uh, ready, go. Uh, the university of Hartford Hawks for the first time in history are going to the NCAA tournament. Credit to John Gallagher, the turnaround he's had over the last four years after this was a team that was in the 330s in Ken Palm. And you know what? They must have known that you were doubting them. They must have known that you thought that the UMass Lowell River Hawks and their very uninspiring team were going to win that game and were going to ruin the dreams of the neighborhood. We're going to ruin the dreams of Central Connecticut and the region, not the school, because, you know, that's a whole other thing. But the Hawks did it. The Hawks were soaring. I saw the circles of Hawks all over Talcott Mountain that night going crazy. And I heard that uh, you had to do some hot sauce shots. Well, well, first of all, that speech you just gave was beautiful. Um, I think I have a tear in my eye, kind of like the tear I had in my eye the other night when I downed a shot of uh, Dragon's Blood Elixir's Jalokia sauce. So just want to go on the record. If, If I had won this bet, what would you have taken? Probably not the most hardcore of sauces, right? Dare I say... What do we call it? Weak sauce, right? You would have taken some weak sauce? I just want to let everybody know, I didn't have to go for the Jalokia sauce. I could have perfectly well just gone for the regular Dragon's Blood Elixir, which is far, far less insane. (laughs) I could have even gone for the mild sauce. The, the, what is it? The garlic pepper cash stuff I bought? Good stuff. Very, very mild. It would have been a perfect weak sauce for somebody with uh, your palate. But no, I grabbed for the hottest hot sauce in my fridge. I poured it in my shot glass like a man, and I had my wife film it and looked at she thought I was absolutely deranged. And I did it for you, the people, because I hold myself hashtag accountable. All right. Don't I'm let proud of you. don't it was, let it was impressive. Don't let anybody out there tell you that I'm not willing to hold myself accountable when I screw up. All right. I spent all week bullying Tim. I knew I needed to step up and make it worth all of your while. So I punished myself. And let me tell you, it was bad. It was not a good scene (laughs) in the Cerullo household. Um, I I wish Penfield had warned me that, you know, when I've done hot sauce things in the past, the really crazy ones, I've usually only done a spoonful. This is the first time I did the full shot of like a crazy insane level sauce. I wish somebody had warned me that you would experience the pain in your stomach. All right. I felt, you know, I'm used to like, Oh wow. My hot, my mouth is really hot. Oh, my tongue is really hot, but never have I experienced the feeling of my stomach actually feeling that same sensation of hotness. And let me tell you, I was not prepared. And there was a few minutes where I'm like, I am in trouble. I'm in big trouble, but I, I pulled through, I ate some bread I drank some milk. I did what I had to do. I'm alive. And now that piece of content lives on the internet, on my Twitter, for all of you to enjoy forever. You're welcome. You did, you did good, my friend. I'm proud of you. All right. Well, one of these days, we need to get you to do it. I, I don't know. I got to scheme up a way to, to bully you into taking hot sauce one of these days. But... Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what. The week of anxiety of about the possibility of having you ingest hot sauce was not fun for me. I was I was stressing at the start of that game, but then the Hawks were just hitting, and it felt right. I mean, hitting in the sense that they're one of the worst offensive teams in the country, but they were playing a worse offensive team. But still. Hey, look, I knew I was in trouble early, but hey, enough with this River Hawks slander. U- UMass Lowell is a great school. It, according to Gary Parish, it's uh, you know, uh, it's Elvis Presley's alma mater, which is a hilarious oh, yeah. bit. I, I love, I love that. <laughs> That's become a thing on their show because the first reference to UMass Lowell on that show, uh, Ion C- CBS's Ion College Basketball with Matt Norlander, great show. Uh, they, 
I think it came up during like that preseason tournament where UMass Lowell upset somebody good. I want to say it was San Francisco or something. And Parrish was just like, UMass Lowell. And I'm in my car like, you bastard, it's UMass Lowell. You get it right. Of course, then the oh next next gosh. episode, all of a sudden, he's like, I love UMass Lowell. They're my favorite. That's Elvis Presley's alma mater or something. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorite uh, bits in the college basketball universe. So yeah. you, show El- you show Elvis Presley's alma mater some respect. It's and hey, for, heck of a hockey school. It is. It's a good school. Always a... Uh... UConn UMass Lowell is always one of the great conference games every year in Hockey East. It is, and you know what? Let me also say, when I was growing up, like in the you know the two thousands, UMass Lowell not exactly a school where you really gave much respect to. In the two thousand tens, they have that as a like collectively as an institution, they've really stepped up their game, like in terms yeah. of their facilities, in terms of their academics. A bunch of my friends graduated from there, and they love it. It's a great experience. And uh, hey, look, eight years in the Division One, now they're making runs and, you know, possibly, you know, knocking on the door of the NCAA tournament. So shout out to the River Hawks, Great season. Shout out to the Hartford Hawks for making me feel experience some of the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Good shout good out for- to America East, the only conference that's ever won a 16 seed is against a one seed. So uh, happened again. can we see Hartford perhaps pull off the upset and knock Baylor out early? I said Baylor's beatable. So wait, so um, confirmed. You pick Hartford. I get Baylor. If Baylor wins, you drink hot no, sauce. No, no, you, you're not pigeonholing me like that. I'm not doing it. Um, I just, no, scared, I, I just scared the crap I, out of you, I, didn't I? I yeah, a little bit. Hey, I've got Baylor in the elite eight, so I, you know, I'm gonna go Baylor by twenty here, like a normal person. But you know, go Hawks. All right, all right, fair enough. Well, we'll we'll figure out a way to get you to drink hot sauce one of these days, but. <laughs> Perhaps we'll 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 give you the next couple of weeks to to regroup and you know enjoy some oh, basketball yeah. without having a that particular <laughs> guillotine guillotine hanging over your head. Um, all right, I feel like that's a good place to leave it. I don't know, Tim, you got anything else before we go? Um, the only other thing, switching to women's basketball real quick. Um, no surprise, UConn number one seed against uh, High Point. Really fun bracket for them. I'm looking forward to that. Really hoping for an Iowa matchup in the Sweet 16 to settle the. Paige Becker's Caitlin Clark score, um, you know Baylor or Tennessee in the Elite Eight would be fun. But more importantly, um, I know every UConn fan pulling for Gino Oriama right now. We know that he's doing well, but you know that anytime you see that someone's got COVID, you just it sucks. So um, glad to see that everyone else is healthy. But hopefully, Gino pulls through real quick and joins the joins the team down in texas after chris daly leads him to a few wins yeah absolutely yeah that that news broke actually only like about an hour ago so that's yeah that's that was really tough to tough to see but uh, gino has received his second round of shots so he's like just in that window where he's not like he's like fully vaccinated but like technically not yet so really bad luck there but on the on the you know plus side like he says he's asymptomatic so you know, yeah, I just hope, hope hope it's all good with him and um, that there wasn't any spread and that, you know, obviously if, if we, we don't want to see anybody else in the program all of a sudden have issues because of that, too. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, shout, yeah shout out to the women. You know, they're, they're looking like they have a good a good chance to make a really exciting run that that bracket they're in. looks really tough, but hey, they, they're, they're good enough to make it work. You know, I'm not worried about them. And uh, yeah, we shall see how it goes. Um UConn versus Maryland Saturday at 710, uh, I believe on CBS. So they nailed like the primo uh, TV lot, slot there. And, uh, you know, hopefully it all goes well. So, um, Tim, thanks again for coming on. I, I guess we'll we'll do this again. I guess it depends. I guess if they were to win on Saturday, I guess they'd probably play, uh, Al- you know, Alabama or Iona would probably be on Monday, right? Yeah, so I think you're right. I guess we'll just have to see, play it by ear and kind of see when how, how the Monday schedule works. But... In either case, uh, I will be back later this week with a full pod on Maryland, and uh, Tim will be back next week, and we'll break down whatever, wherever we are as UConn, as a UConn fan base at that point. So um, you guys all be good. We'll be back. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. DMs are open, and you can email me at yesuconnpodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, just leave those good five-star reviews, and uh, we'll um, looking hope looking forward to a great uh, season of March Madness. So you guys all uh, have a good one, and we will catch you all later. Bye.